This episode is sponsored by Origami Risk, an award-winning adaptable cloud-based platform that can help you and your business manage all aspects of resilience, such as risk, safety, insurance, and even the management of business continuity and disaster recovery plans. Because Origami's single platform connects all of these functions, it provides a unified view of risk leading you to better decision-making, thus better business resilience. To help you boost your business's resilience, Origami Risk has put together a collection of free eBooks and videos exclusively for the Resilience Pod family. To get access, visit origamirisk.com forward slash resilience. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Resilience Pod, the podcast helping you become resilient in our world full of disruptions. You're here with me, your host, Rina Singh. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we are talking about adaptive business continuity, evolution or devolution with my next guest who has controversially ruffled a few feathers in this space by bringing this concept of business continuity into our industry and really disrupting the way we potentially do things. Coupled with his extensive experiences in the resilience industry, being a speaker and author at many industry events, I am pleased to introduce you to my next guest on the pod, Mark Armour, joining me from the USA. Welcome. Thank you, Rena. It's good to be here. Appreciate yeah. it. You're welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, all things considered, like everybody, it's been it's been a challenging year and a half, but uh, I've learned a lot, and uh, and I, I think. I like to think that um, what I've learned is will only benefit me moving forward. So hopefully most of us can say the same thing. Indeed. And guys, if you're watching or listening, um, I met Mark a few years ago in London in the UK at the Shard where he was delivering this very talk away from his holiday and anniversary mm. with his wife. So <laughs> just to deliver this. So I'm excited to have another chat with you virtually. And so let's get right into it because I know all of us are dying to know what is this what is mm -hmm. adaptive business continuity uh, so i am happy to answer that um so just to give you the very short abbreviated version yeah um it's it's two things uh the first thing is it, it's the name we give to a different approach to how we how we go about business continuity and what i call organizational preparedness um, and, and it's it's a name that I came up with along with my my colleague and co-author, Dr. David Lindstead with Ohio State University, um, really to set us apart from the traditional business continuity management life cycle approach mm -hmm. to business continuity. Um, we toyed with calling it agile business continuity, but we thought that might cause maybe some confusion. And we didn't want to give anybody the impression that perhaps we were endorsed by the agile community. Right. Uh, there are some parallels with agile, but it's not specifically agile as applied as applied to business continuity. The second thing that I, I think of when I think adaptive business continuity is I also apply it to what I call the movement within the business continuity community uh, around trying to evolve our discipline and try to move us beyond this traditional, very compliance focused, very output focused approach to business continuity and, and into, again, something that's maybe more, more agile, more flexible, uh, and a little bit more different. This whole adaptive business continuity has caused a lot of stir and very 
interesting opinions within the mm. resilience space, especially business continuity. And to understand why, if, uh, you guys, if any of you are listening or watching us, to understand a bit more about what the, actually the approach is and why there has been this controversy, so to say. So can you kind of share in brief what it covers and, and yeah, what the approach is? Absolutely. Um, so let me let me first say that it's not a methodology. So okay. we, we don't um, we don't kind of define a life cycle or a series or a sequence of steps that one follows, as opposed to say that that traditional business continuity life cycle. Yeah. Uh, the approach is founded on principles. Um, if I were to describe it in say a single statement or two, it's really. The idea is start with what your current capabilities look like. And through that, understand where you perhaps need to focus on the improvement of those capabilities, as well as the, the steps and the specific actions you can take in the improvement of capabilities. And that, that kind of gets me to why we don't advocate for methodology, because when we're talking about improving an organization's ability to respond and recover effectively, there's a there's a, a just a whole host of different actions one can take, and they don't lend themselves to kind of a, a consistent series of steps in the improvement of any single one of those. And and just get, to give you an example, um, let's let's say that you're assessing the capabilities of an organization and they have very limited resources, mm -hmm. right? So you know if something were to were to affect that organization's kind of disruption or disaster, obtaining those resources in order to get back into business would be very challenging. You'd have to find out where to get it from. You'd have to deploy them, get them shipped and, and delivered. So that the, the work you take to address or improve that particular aspect of, of continuity capability would be you'd have to work with finance. You'd have to work probably with sourcing and procurement to identify where we can get these resources maybe work with logistics in where you might position these resources. They can be quickly deployed or access to the folks that might need them at a moment's notice. If you were to go to another organization, you might find they've got ample resources available. Yeah. They are quickly and, and, and readily shipped to the, to the folks that might need them. But you might find that the people that need to get them aren't authorized or they don't have the, the, the requisite level of authority to obtain those resources. And they might have to escalate and get maybe a series of approvals before they can access those resources. It's almost like not having the resources at all because now you're delaying the availability or the delivery of those resources. How you address that within your organization is drastically different. You're gonna have to work with management. Maybe you have to put in place some policies. You're going to have to expressly maybe delegate some level of authority and maybe define some parameters around under which circumstances or situations people might be empowered to execute against that authority. That's a completely different of steps and actions you would take than procuring those resources. So, and, that's, and that's just two examples. I mean, other things that, that contribute to an organization's ability to recover and respond include diversity, team collaboration, um, agility, and adaptability, innovation, and creativity, things along, along that nature. So when we talk about understanding an organization's capabilities, first we have to understand that organizations have the ability to recover even if they don't have formalized business continuity programs, even if they don't have documented business continuity plans, even if they haven't thought about business continuity, there does exist within most organizations out there the ability to respond and recover. 
what we need to do is understand that exists. And our job is really to help help the organization understand what that capability looks like. And again, through that, where they can focus to improve capability and what steps they should take. Hmm, quite interesting. Now, a follow up on that, uh, on that, you kind of given us some examples. If I'm a practitioner and I've been used to doing BC a certain way and then I'm now following this adaptive approach how would I go about doing it then so I would I would start by I would start really in two ways okay. one re research as much as you can yeah. right so that if, if you go if you go to the adaptive business country website we've got links to academic research that's out there there are lots of podcasts like this one and articles that again, David and I have written kind of helping to explain what this is and maybe some of the various ways in which somebody might execute against these principles as we've defined them. Yeah. The other thing is, is a little bit more challenging, right? And this, this runs counter to our, what I think is our traditional view of business continuity, which is as long as you understand the life cycle and as long as we're completing the tasks dictated by that life cycle, we have some level of comfort that we're doing the right things. Yeah. Even, even if maybe underneath we're, we're, we suspect that some of these things aren't actually contributing to our organization's ability to respond and recover. If we want to execute in an adaptive fashion, we kind of have to be willing to take some degree of risk. We have to be willing to experiment a little, little bit. We have to be willing to fail. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I'm saying that from personal experience, when I kind of first embarked on this, this adaptive journey of mine, it, it was first hard to break those, those, those habits that I'd formed following the traditional approach to business continuity. At the same time, it, it was getting out of my comfort zone. Um, it was to a degree putting, putting my career at risk by, by taking on a challenge that was very much um, not supported by a lot of a lot of the long-standing standards and documentation and and, and tools and advice that's out there, uh, but my experience has been taking that approach has actually greatly benefited the organization and it's actually it, it's both given me a greater degree of job satisfaction and I and I feel both much more valued at the organization I work for as well as I feel like I'm delivering a significantly greater degree of value. Interesting. It's quite insightful to see a different way of how things can be done to what we're used to. And uh, you've kind of answered this a little bit, but why this should this approach then, just to be crystal clear, black and white, to so anybody who's watching or listening, why should we consider this approach? Um, I, I guess I would consider why not okay. consider it. <laughs> yeah. um, because, I mean, why Uber? as opposed to say a traditional taxi service? Why, mm. why Airbnb as opposed to Hilton or Marriott or, or some big hotel chain? This is really just a, another option that you could take a different avenue you could take. It's no less um, relevant than our traditional BCI or ISO guidance. The only difference, right, is, is that methodology has been around for decades. Um, adaptive business continuity is relatively new, but I don't think it's any less relevant. I don't think any of the things that we advocate or any of the actions that, that adaptive business continuity practitioners take accomplish anything less. If anything, my experience is, is you actually accomplish quite a bit more and you're able to ultimately demonstrate value and prove improved outcomes for the organizations that we work for. 
Um, yeah. I, I would say that the benefit of adaptive is it is founded primarily on the academic research that exists in this space. It's pretty limited, but it's, it's all pretty consistent in that it does tell us that organizations that suffer disasters or major disruptions and not only survive, but thrive, they have, they have better outcomes than other organizations. They do have some very common qualities and attributes in common. And they're the things that I already talked about, right? They've got some degree of capacity and resources. Um, they've got trust and empowerment within their organization. Um, they do have cultures that foster innovation and creativity. They're very diverse and they, they accommodate a very diverse decision-making process. And adaptive at least has the benefit of being based and founded on that research and promoting that approach to organizational preparedness, as opposed to simply being based on, on something that evolved from the systems development life cycle or technology disaster recovery. And we just kind of brought it along to the 21st century, changing some names and, and some specifics along the way. Yeah, interesting. And I know that this whole thing has caused a lot of, uh, as I've mentioned several times, controversy in the industry. And I feel like maybe it's a way because we're so used to having like these documents to, as a safety net. And you're saying, if we're gonna be truly resilient organization, we need to have that flexibility, adaptability, the diversity and all these things. I wonder, and I question you, Mark, and anybody who's watching or listening, are we doing this already, but just not calling it adaptive business continuity? Something to think about. I'd love for you all to comment below on the box or get in touch and let me know what you think. And Mark, I open up this kind of question to you. Are, do you think that we're actually doing this anyway, one? And secondly, why are we so kind of, why do we need these safety nets? Because you could argue, for example, that having a BIA or a plan, like specifically, is going to give us that safety net. But actually, does anybody even use it in the first place? So what what are your thoughts on that? So, so to answer the, the first question, right, are we already doing this in some form or fashion? I, maybe some people are. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think more often than not, people are kind of operating in kind of a hybrid mm. um, mode where they're doing some things that kind of conform to the adaptive approach but if they're still producing a lot of documents and a lot of materials that aren't providing benefit to the organization and particularly if they're expending a lot of time and resources in the development of those materials particularly things like business impact assessments yeah. risk assessments plan development in fact i would say if, if if you're relying on plans and particularly if you're setting the expectation within your organization that a plan exists that will answer all of your organization's questions when a disaster comes along and it simply be a matter of following the step-by-step -step procedures that have been documented, you're probably setting the wrong expectation. I think mm. the value of adaptive is we basically say documentation is fine, but we need to put it in the proper context. Documentation right. aids us in both uh, practicing and memorizing what we need to need to do getting people comfortable with maybe the framework that exists to support our response and recovery operations, but we shouldn't set the expectation that that plan is going to be kind of our, our savior or that plan exists as something that we're going to pull off the shelf or pull out of a, out of a share, share drive at time of disaster. And again, it's gonna answer all of our questions. We need to set the expectation that people have to rely on themselves, their own level of competence, their own experience, 
their own level of practice in this space mm -hmm. and need to be able to operate in that mode. Some documentation can help them in practicing and again, in building that competence, but not as a tool to enable the actual recovery. Mm, quite insightful there. Now, um, I know that we've covered things on quite a high level and there's lots of things and lots of more that you folks who are tuned in today can look into, but to help us decide um, as a practitioner, which way we should swing, mm. any tips or any views from you to do this? Um, sure, I, I, guess, I guess I would, I would ask the challenging questions of if you're, if you're a business continuity practitioner and particularly if you've been in this, this profession for any length of time, um, ask yourself, do you feel valued by your organization? Mm. Um, do you genuinely feel that you are delivering value to your organization? And, and I would particularly put that in the context of this past year and a half. <clears throat> you, you, if you've right. been operating the business country domain throughout this global pandemic, throughout COVID-19, mm -hmm. um, and you've seen and experienced what you, your team and your organization have gone through, and, and particularly as I've had, not just dealing with the global pandemic, but all of the other disruptions that have occurred along the way. So we've had to yeah. deal not only with this ongoing global event, but we've had sometimes local and regional situations. Mm -hmm. Here in the US, we've just gone through Hurricane Ida, which, which went through the Gulf mm -hmm. Coast, but we've had wildfires, we've had things like civil unrest, there continues to be cyber attacks at organizations across the globe. So I would ask, you know, if you're a practitioner working in this space, <clears throat> Do you feel that the things you did prior to early 2020, like business impact assessments and risk assessments and, and plans, and even, even the, the, the plan training and awareness and the, and the testing that you've done, has that positively contributed to your organization's ability to respond and deal with those disruptions this past year and a half? And I would say if, if, you're, if your answer is an unequivocal yes to all of those, then you probably shouldn't listen to me. I would say, keep doing what you were doing if, yeah. if it is indeed delivering value. Uh, if however, there's some doubt in your mind or if you can say, no, I don't feel valued at my organization or no, we struggled significantly despite the time and effort we devoted to preparation, then maybe that warrants diving deeper into adaptive and, and, and seeing maybe what, what more might apply to, to you and your organization and maybe some different, some different approaches you can apply yourself. Absolutely. Well, that's some heavy stuff to think about <laughs> for all of us with so much insights from you to, to you. go back and really challenge ourselves uh, and think about this. Now, one last question. I know we um, you haven't prepared for this and I want to know from your experience why this has upset a lot of people in our industry. Ah, I do get that question on occasion. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's I think it's I think it's two things. I think one, um, yeah, we, we, we're used to operating a certain way. And, and, and let's face it, I struggled this way myself. The first 10 years that I was in business continuity, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. I was kind of a very dutiful, by the book, business continuity yeah. practitioner. But I struggled anytime an event occurred. I found that plans didn't apply. I found that people didn't utilize their plans. A lot of that work we did in the preparedness space was never applicable or just yeah. fell by the wayside. So um, it, it made me feel like I was doing something wrong and that maybe the methodology was right and I was just applying it the wrong way. But I've, I've experimented over the years and I've, I've really kind of come, 
come to my own conclusion that to a degree, we need to abandon that methodology. So I think it makes some people uncomfortable because they have been, been doing things a certain way. And again, if, if, if doing things that way works for you, then I would say don't abandon it. But yeah. we have to concede that having options and choices isn't necessarily bad for business continuity. But I, I, do, I do understand there is a part, there's a part of the community too that gets upset because let's, let's face it, the, these are people who work in the consulting space. <laughs> right, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe they work for like tool and product suppliers. And these yeah. tools are all designed around this methodology to collect data for BIAs yeah. and then contribute to the development and creation of plans. So to a degree, this is challenging their, maybe not their livelihood, but the way that they've kind of promoted business continuity practices with their clients and customers. And it, it might, it might, I think the fear is it might make them look bad if they come around and say, you know what, we perhaps had it wrong. We're going to change or shift focus. And, and I, I understand this. There is, again, some degree of risk in that, right? I mm-hmm. think it makes all of us uncomfortable that if, if we now go back and say, we're going to do things a different way, it might, it might reflect negatively on us. But I, I, would, I would challenge people to say, evolving and, and changing your approach is, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and again, you have to be willing to experiment and maybe maybe fail along the way. And again, that's not a bad thing. We, we no. all learn from these types of activities. And as long as we're, as long as we're willing to challenge ourselves and our, and our teams and our organizations, then ultimately that's, that's not bad for preparedness. If we put all our, if we kind of, if we all get out of our comfort zone once in a while, that only prepares us for those situations when we're thrown out of our comfort zone because we're having to deal with some kind of disruption or disaster. So it's at the end of the day, it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, indeed. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that answered the question, but <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's interesting to get your idea, like because obviously of the the feedback it's got. But I do know and I've seen that there's a lot of practitioners actually really on board with this and are doing it in their organization. So uh, if you are one of those practitioners who have adapted uh, or adopted adaptive business continuity please leave a comment and let us know how it's going because it's all about progressing and learning and seeing how we can evolve as Mark said now that doesn't necessarily mean that I am endorsing everything Mark is saying I mean I still am not sure as a practitioner which way to sway about that but however as we've alluded to here it's really not a one-size-fits-all because it really depends on the business that you're working with and what is required so that's something to think about especially from my side is is it as I mentioned going to be an evolution for your business or is it going to be a devolution Mark any final thoughts for you before we close off um the only thing I will say is again you you don't have to agree with adaptive business continuity or subscribe to it yeah Um, but I again you know I gave the examples of like Airbnb and Uber these these are disruptive adaptive is disruptive and I I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing I think kind of having our cages rattle a little bit you know maybe forces us to both look at what we're doing and then put us in a position to have to defend what we're doing and why we're doing it and the value that it's that it's delivering and it, it, at the end of the day is that a is that a bad thing i would simply encourage folks to to learn and understand a little bit before they they simply reject adaptive business continuity offhand 
and and I'm I'm more than happy and more than willing to to have those conversations. So I always encourage people to reach out to me directly via LinkedIn uh, or via any other any other channel. Always willing to have further discussions or or share additional information that I have on the topic. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming on and sharing your thoughts. And, you know, if you're watching or listening to us, folks, this is an open invitation. Have an open mind about this. This is what the Resilience Pod is about, is sharing diverse voices and ideas and to see what can work for us and make us more resilient as individuals to help our organizations become resilient. So Mark, once again, thank you so much for joining us and definitely an evolution on your side. Uh, but my question, my final question to you all who've tuned in, is Adaptive BC evolution or devolution? Comment below and let me know. Until next time, this is me, your host, Rena Singh, with our guest, Mark Armour, saying goodbye. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep on investing in your resilience.